Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Welcome to the When to Jump podcast. My name is Mike Lewis. This is episode 52. Gosh, that is crazy to say. More on that later. First, we're going to go to my conversation with this week's guest, Julie Finn. Julie is the founder of the Working Mothers Mentor, which is a company that helps, you guessed it, working moms uh, in a mentoring capacity, but also in providing support and services and really a game plan to help uh, working moms and working dads and others have a career, but also uh, have a family and be perfectly present in that world as well. We're going to go deep into the headspace around how do you think about balancing that scale and being uh, a successful professional in whatever it is you want to do, push your career, but also be uh, present with your family as, as a parent. Without further ado, I'm going to get you right into my conversation with Julie Finn, founder of The Working Mother's Mentor. Julie Finn, welcome to the When to Jump podcast. Thank you so much for joining me today. Mike, I'm excited to be here. Thank you so much for inviting me to be on. Yeah, well, we have a lot to cover because uh, you live and breathe this idea of taking a jump. You've got a lot of guidance and insight, and you also have your own uh, personal jumps to to back it all up. So there, I can't I can't wait to start. I don't know where to start. <laughs> I appreciate the kudos. Well, it's true, and I think perhaps we should back up a little bit. Tell us a tell us you know a sense of 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 who you are, where you came from, and how you your your jumps got going because it's a pretty interesting story. Well, great. Thank you. Well, I'm originally from South Carolina, and I'm the child of a Ghanaian immigrant and an American mother. And I went to California for college, and I thought I was sort of on the track, right? I was kind of doing the things an immigrant father tells you to do. You work hard, study hard, get a good job. And I had sort of done those things. But I always had this sort of little voice, and I know you relate to that. And so as I look back over the past, dare I say, 25 years, my 25th um, undergrad reunion is this year. I've made four pretty major jumps if you look at sort of the the type of path, the professional path that I was on. So I studied political science as an undergrad and then went straight to corporate America thinking that was the path, that was the way to have security. But I quickly found that I was kind of drawn to do something else. And so that's when the the first of my four jumps, I kind of break them up into BK before kids and AK after kids, because it, you know, jumps can feel quite different depending on how independent you are, how much flexibility you have and how much responsibility you have on your plate. So I don't know if you want me to sort of go into a couple of those jumps, but that's sort of how I got started. And that's when, you know, the kind of rubber hit the road for me very early on. I made my first jump when I was 22 and I kind of, you know, I've never looked back. I've kind of seemed to make a jump about every five or six years. And they don't necessarily get easier. You know, they get harder as you have more on your plate, but it's been sort of a fantastic journey. And so your first jump when you're 22, tell us a little bit about that. 
So I had probably similar to you, kind of, you know, one of the jobs, like one of the it jobs for that era, working in corporate strategy at Walt Disney. And it was a great job. I learned a lot. It was, you know, an intense job. I worked with really smart people. But really, I had this passion for social policy. I had this passion for issues around things like childcare and healthcare and education. And I couldn't really see how this kind of clear pre-MBA path that I was on was going to allow me to explore those passions. And so even though people told me I was crazy, which sounds funny now when I look back on it, to leave that track and go overseas to grad school, that's what I did. So instead of doing the what was expected, which would have been to go on to sort of a top-tier MBA program, I actually moved overseas and I went to graduate school in the UK, and then I went and worked at a think tank in Kuala Lumpur. So I spent the next three years outside of the US sort of exploring these interests that I had in policy. And then the interesting thing is, after all that, I ended up going to business school anyway. <laughs> but those three years, I think, were really pivotal in terms of defining the kind of person that that I am, the worldview that I have, sort of the early kind of love of travel. I think in those early years, you know, by the time I was probably 24, I'd already been to maybe 25 countries, you know, that early bug, I caught that. Um, And so it was really, you know, an important part of my life story. Was it hard with uh, parents who had specific expectations for you? You know, in the in the book and across our community, we hear a lot about that. Folks, especially first generation, second generation immigrants, where uh, you know their their parents made specific sacrifices for a specific outcome for the uh, for their kids. And you know, obviously, going to graduate school, there there's a bit of a you know box you can check for those who are worried about you, this and that. But you still left a really nice job and went overseas. What was that like for your family? So I think that first jump, they were fine. It was the second jump <laughs> when I left a, a six-figure job to make, you know, a tenth as much and work in international development. I think that's the jump when the kind of the questions started to arise and when I had to kind of talk about why it was important to me and the fact that I had thought through it, that it wasn't sort of a, a rash decision, but it was something I was committed to doing. And it was interesting. I was clear enough then. So at that point, that second jump, I was closer to 30. I was clear enough then to know that that I felt that I had more flexibility before settling down, before having kids, before getting married than I would years later. So that's part of the reason I went ahead and did that second jump. And what was the pushback like when you when you explained that to your parents? <laughs> um, you know, it's interesting. My family has always been very supportive. I've always been a bit of a, an outlier, I guess. You know, like I was the the girl who was president of the debate team and had a big voice. And I've always been a person to kind of speak my mind. So I think in some ways they weren't surprised. I think there was more fear. So there's a lot of anxiety around, okay, now you've taken out these massive loans to go to business school and you're going to make how much (laughs) and you're going to live where. And I, I literally sold like almost all of my possessions. um, And I moved and I rented a room from a, a nurse who lived in, in Oxford where I went to work for Oxfam, the British International Development Agency. I think there was this sense of, wow, you've really taken a massive step backwards. We understand and we support you, but there were there were a lot of fear-based questions, particularly around sort of my financial situation. What was your response to that? Because that is something everyone, especially a lot of our listeners, think about is the financial aspect, but also this this image, like you said, of taking a step back. Like that's a really scary idea, right? Yeah, it absolutely was. I think for me, 
there, there was this sense of I knew it was transitory, meaning that I, I didn't feel like it was a one way street that I knew because at that point I had a, an MBA in my pocket. So I knew that if I really didn't like it or if I really wanted to come back to kind of the, the earning world that I could, I didn't know when or if, but I, I do think I had that sort of mental safety net. I think the other thing that happened, and this is, you know, one of the things, a, a shout out to a colleague of mine from, I used to work at the Boston Consulting Group, who was kind of with me as I was making these decisions and kind of going through the the finances and stressed about my school loans. And she made an offer that I thankfully, you know, never actually had to take her up on. But she said, you know, you're so committed to doing this work. Don't stay here, meaning in America, because you're afraid of your school loans. Worst case, I will help you pay your school loans. Just go. And I'll never forget that, you know, that was, you know, almost 15 years ago. And like I said, I never actually had to take any money from her. But there was this psychology. It was this idea of that that big fear, that thing that kind of that I held up as the reason why I couldn't go. It sort of took that fear away from me and that allowed me to to make my own path. So even though I found a job and I scraped together my my little bit so that I could ride a bike and rent a room, you know, I sold my Lexus and traded it in for a bike. Um I think that psychology, so for me, the mindset piece is so important. When you're clear about the the courage and the confidence that you will be okay, it makes a difference. Now, in my case, I had sort of a crutch because I had someone saying, don't worry, I've got you, even though I didn't actually need her. But I think, you know, in hindsight, I recognize that if I could have just gotten, gotten my mind to the place where I understood that I was going to be okay, then I would have I would have made the jump sooner. What do people do if they don't have that person that, you know, whether it was a real guarantee or not, is there for them? I think there are kind of two things you could do. One is you can make your own safety net financially, meaning save little by little. It might extend the date at which you get to make that jump, but physically have a safety net. I believe in physically having a safety net either way. And and the interesting thing is I physically had a safety net at the time. It was more the psychology. But I think, you know, making sure that you you have to be responsible. You do want to be able to cover your expenses. You do want to be able to, you know, see a doctor if you need to, whatever. So I think one is realistically, you do need to have some savings before you jump and and a plan for how you will sustain yourself through the jump. But I think two, I can't emphasize enough how much of it is about mindset and how much of it is about fear, at least for me, you know, as a, as a personality, I tend to be risk averse. And so for me, a lot of it was about the what if, what if, what if, and it, it all tended to be negative. So I think a lot of work around, at least for those others like me who relate to the kind of anxiety around it, a work around what if the positive, what about the positive scenarios? What about if it works? What happens if you don't make a change? What does your life look like? So really focusing on on the outcome and working on the the confidence and the courage, I think you have to do that alongside the actual kind of saving and financial planning. And so describe, you know, what happens next. You go to, uh, you, you quote unquote, maybe get back on the track. You you go to prestigious business school. You get your MBA. But that jumping sense doesn't seem to kind of, uh, you know, go away or, or, or simmer down. No, it doesn't. And it's funny. So then those are the kind of the before kids jumps. And then the next jumps, the next two are for kind of different reasons, meaning that there was this sense that I wanted to have more control and freedom. I wanted to have more autonomy. I wanted to be able to do work 
that I cared about. And I wanted to be able to be available for my family when and how I needed to be. And I think a lot of working parents in particular can relate to this idea that you can have work that you enjoy with a team that's great. But when you feel like you have to be in two places at one time or when you feel that you're not able to show up fully in either place, either professionally or personally in the way that you would like, that sometimes you make a change. So that third big jump was leaving corporate in order to work as a coach, but for another company. Um, and I did that for seven years and it was actually fantastic. It allowed me to have the the type of work that I love, sort of encouraging young professionals as they were going through life transitions, but also to be available for my kids. The thing though, you know, the kind of risk averse me, as I sort of neared the 40 year old birthday, I sort of thought, oh, you know, corporations, that's my safe space. I have to run back to a corporation. And so I ended up, instead of staying where I should have been, which was more independent and as a coach, I went back and got a corporate job again. And so in, in some ways, it was sort of like an interruption in what should have just been sort of the rest of my career in serving others. But that's very relatable. I think that anyone who takes a jump is going to be feeling, especially when you add in the kids and the mortgage and, and all these things, you, you kind of, you want to, re, you know, feel like it's a retreat in some ways to, to safety. But it's interesting you said where I, I should have just stayed there. So what was it like going back and, and doing a reverse jump? What, what came to mind and when? You know what was interesting? I think a lot of it had to do with the actual birth date. It was turning 40. And I kind of had this magical number in my head that said, oh, you know, this is it. I have to have, a, you know, a, a corporate job now. This is, you know, these are my best earning years. Like all the things that we tell ourselves around what it means to be responsible. At that point, I then had three kids and a mortgage and and it just kind of felt irresponsible in my head to not kind of have the the bigger salary and the, you know, beautiful health benefits and all that sort of thing. And I actually got got what was on paper the perfect job. I worked for Deloitte and I give a big shout out to them because they really do put their money where their mouth is in terms of being family friendly. I had a fabulous boss, a great team. When I needed to drop to part time, they let me. I mean, just super flexible, really supportive. But at the end of the day, I still wasn't doing the work that I was passionate about, i.e., empowering and supporting others. And I didn't ultimately have control over my time. And so that last jump, that most recent jump, to me, in some ways, was the hardest and the scariest because I had a great job with a great team at a great firm. And so everything on paper was what I, as a working mom, said I wanted. It was like the holy grail. You know, I could work from home. I mean, it was literally everything that I would have written on a piece of paper and said, this is what I want in a job. The, the challenge, however, was it was still a job and it was a job working on consumer products, which is what I had done most of my career. And it wasn't a job supporting and empowering people, which is what I was passionate about. And it wasn't a job that allowed me to have ultimate control over my time, which is what I really needed as, because I really really ultimately wanted to have the ability to do the kind of work that I'm passionate about in supporting and empowering women. And I wanted to have control over my time. That 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 last jump was the one that I really needed to make. To bring this home, I guess, to to folks who you work with and, and you've started an incredible uh, kind of uh, really a community, but but also kind of a leadership angle around working with with mothers specifically around how, you know, you can take these jumps and also have a balance that you're, um, you know, finding important and, and, and critical to achieving personal and professional satisfaction. You know, what, what, as you get into this world more and more, do you see most often? What could you share with our listeners that you, you might not know if you didn't spend, you know, all of your time kind of focused in, in, in this important line of work? 
Well, thank you for that. Yes. And so what I do now is I have a podcast called The Working Mother's Mentor. And in that, I interview not only people who have made jumps and started businesses, but also women and some men who have stayed in careers. And really, the idea is that you can craft a life, whatever that looks like for you. So I'm kind of agnostic as to whether or not you need to be an entrepreneur or or need to climb the corporate ladder. But it's more about showing you the range of what's available to you. And it's about showing you the messiness. So I talk to people who have big titles and big jobs, but you'll see that, you know, they forgot to pick up a kid one day or they have to eat bean burritos three days in a row because no one made it to the grocery store to understand that even though that person is in a corner office, they're still human. And part of the the purpose of the Working Mothers Mentor podcast is to help other, particularly professional women, see what's possible so that they are making an informed decision. Because I think in my case, particularly for my early jumps, I didn't really see other examples. And so that's one thing. I think the power of example, and we talked about that a little bit, is super important. And that's part of the reason I do the podcast. I think, too, for working mothers, we already have this kind of like extra layer of guilt and, you know, all these things on our plate. And are we a good parent? And are we showing up in the right places? And we already have all this extra swirl of stress. And so I think trying to make those kinds of choices and decisions without a community and unsupported is particularly tough. And then three, the mindset piece. And again, I'm a broken record because this is this was new to me. Right. So I had never really thought like that word is kind of a buzzword now, but I had never really thought about mindset in that way before. But there's nothing like taking a jump and being an entrepreneur and then supporting other women. So I'm a coach to other women who are taking jumps and starting businesses. There's nothing like doing this sort of work to shine a light on all of your insecurities <laughs> and for and to see it happen to your clients as well. And so I think, you know, taking a leap will certainly make you question your assumptions and make you question your experiences and your skills. And so I think this idea of really working on clarity and courage and confidence, super important, not, not only for working moms, but I think there's a lot of an extra layer of guilt that we feel that makes those things super important. Yeah, absolutely. And so why is it important to jump then? Why, why, given all the different obstacles and things that could be tricky and um, and stress producing, is it worth jumping in and not just staying put at that, whether it's corporate or just um, consistent and regular kind of occupation you're doing or, or even just place in life, regardless of if it's a job or not? The reason why it's worth doing is because you deserve it. And that's the bottom line. And that's what I I talk about on the podcast when I talk about with my clients. At the end of the day, you deserve to think about what you want your life to be because only you can create it. Only you. Like you said in 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 interviews I've heard with you and other people I've spoken to, no one's going to come into your office, your cubicle, your house and pluck you out and create the life for you. And you deserve to have that life. Now, I don't mean that we run away from responsibilities or that we don't think through how realistically we can make changes. And sometimes they're incremental changes. Sometimes they have to happen over five years, not five months. So there's, you know, I'm I'm pragmatic in that way. But at the end of the day, I believe that we are all more powerful than we give ourselves credit for. I think there's a wider range of opportunities available to us. I think millennials do a better job of seeing this, but for you know my Gen X sisters, I think a lot of us feel like once you get on a path, that's it. And so my, my kind of message to people, particularly, again, the kind of Gen X professional woman who kind of feels like she did everything she was quote unquote supposed to do. You know, she went to school, she paid her loan, she got the job, she got the promotion, but still feels kind of unfulfilled or 
unsure and has this kind of niggling thing in her that says, I know I'm meant to be doing something else. She may not even be able to articulate what it is yet, but she just knows that the the life that she has built isn't quite what she expected, isn't quite working. She deserves to take the steps to figure out what's the ideal scenario for her, what she would like for her life to look like, and then to do the work. It's work. You know, do the work to create that life. So at the end of the day, I just tell people they deserve it. It's work, but they deserve it. From all the work you've done and from your own jumps, is there is there something that each of us can think about uh, and maybe even do, you know, something that's a take-home piece of homework for, for those listening to this on their commute or, or listening to this as they go into work or, or, or head out for a weekend away and they're thinking, okay, how do I start to make a couple of these little changes? Because it is really overwhelming when you think of changing, uh, you know, from, from one lifestyle or professional track to another. How do you break it down for folks? What do you, what do you tell others? That's a, a really great question. I, I like the idea of really concrete steps. And so for me, there are a handful of things that I think are important. One is, and I, and I mentioned this before, being clear. And that clarity around why you want to make a change, I think is super important. I think often people jump from what I call kind of push reasons, meaning they're running away from something. And to me, that's not the reason to jump. I, I suggest that people should make a jump for pull reasons, meaning that there's something that they're being drawn to that they want to do. So one is be clear about why that why you want to make change. I think two, be clear about what you want the destination to look like. You may not know every single tiny step between here and there, but have some idea. Even sit down with a journal and say, you know what? It's 10 a.m. on a Monday. Where am I? What am I doing? Who am I working with? Because you might surprise yourself. I think for a lot of people, it's a it's a minute change. And for some people, it's a radical change. They want to be out in the country and they're sitting in a cubicle in a high rise building. I think three, and I talked about this a little bit, this idea of getting support, asking other people to be a part of that jump and a part of that decision, I think is really important. So find two or three trusted advisors. If you can't afford a, a program or a coach or a conference, find people who will just spend time with you. And don't be afraid to say it out loud. I think for a lot of us pre-jumpers, we have this notion, but we're kind of either embarrassed or afraid, or we haven't been able to kind of flesh it out well enough yet to articulate it to someone else. Bring someone into your corner. And then lastly, I think just remember life is short. I mean, you tell a a story about the the loss of your friend and, and how that affected your story and your decision to jump and your decision to lead this community. And I think, you know, I have sort of a similar story in that once I made this decision to do this work, but before I launched the podcast, I was kind of on fire about why I was doing it. And I was explaining it to my brother and I showed him my website that I was very proud of because I built it, which you can tell because <laughs> I'm not technical, but I built it. And I was still very proud of the fact that I had built it. And he was kind of, you know, picking out all the flaws and saying all the things that should have been different. And I kind of got a little defensive and he was sort of a jokey, funny guy. And then he got very serious, which was not his personality. And he said, do not let anyone stop you or get in your way. And 10 days later, he was dead. He didn't wake up. He had an undiagnosed intestinal disease. And, you know, those those words stick with me because like you, you know, it can get exhausting doing this work. It can get tiring. You can get to the point where you say, why am I doing this again? When I'm, you know, working on podcast show notes at 1 a.m. or building something for a client on a Saturday afternoon instead of going to the park with my kids or whatever, when I'm making those trade-offs, I have to remind myself that really only I can get in my way and that life is short. So for me, I think 
if if there's just one takeaway, just remember that you deserve it, that there are small steps that you can take to turn in the direction of your dreams. And I, and I just really encourage you to kind of take those steps because it's worth it. Gosh, well, that is a powerful reminder. And I appreciate you sharing that story with us. I think that it, it, it is it is so true. And and when you take a jump, I mean, we hear this again and again, it's certainly not the easy route. It's not the one that's going to look pretty. It's not the one you see when you look on Instagram or, or LinkedIn, mm-hmm. but it, it it is worth doing if that's something you want to do. And so I appreciate you sharing that with us, Julie. And uh, and if you haven't uh, followed Julie and her work uh, with the Working Mothers Mentor, you should check it out. Uh, where can people find you? What's the easiest thing to do to, to get a hold of you? Thank you. So to find out more about the podcast, you can go to anywhere that you listen to podcasts. And the podcast is called The Working Mothers Mentor. We also have a website, theworkingmothersmentor.com, where I have each podcast episode. And there you also are going to find things like show notes and pictures and quotes and other information about each episode. So that's a great resource. On that website, you'll also find free downloads where we have resources to support people who are interested in starting a business or up-leveling their career. And then lastly, you can always send me an email, julie at theworkingmothersmentor.com. I'm happy to hear from you, to support you, um, and to answer any questions that you might have. On social, Facebook, The Working Mothers Mentor. Uh, you can find us on Instagram, The Working Mothers Mentor, Twitter, at Mothers Mentor, and me personally, Julie Finn, on LinkedIn. Amazing. Well, you should you should rewind and listen to that again if you didn't catch it all because that is all good stuff. It is uh it's amazing work you're doing, Julia, and I'd love, you know, I was able to come on your show a few weeks ago and I really appreciate the opportunity because I think that there is a lot of crossover here and you know, you just have a very um, earnest and genuine way about you and I think it comes from the fact that you're doing what you love and you've got great perspective. So, Julia Finn, thank you for joining me on the When to Jump podcast. I really appreciate you taking the time. Mike Lewis, thank you so much. And back at you. Thank you for the work that you're doing for your leadership. Thank you for just being a really open resource. I loved our interview on my podcast. It was a fantastic episode. So I just really thank you for sharing your community and letting me be a part of it. I appreciate that. All right. Until next time. Hope you enjoyed that conversation with Julie Finn. For more on Julie, you know where to find her. It is theworkingmothersmentor.com. For more on us, you know where to find When to Jump, whentojump.com. Send us your thoughts and comments. We love hearing them. Follow us at When to Jump across social media. If you've got a jump, we want to hear it. And we've got a newsletter that comes out uh, monthly that you can also sign up for from the website. That'll do it from this end. One quick final announcement is that we do have our online self-guided learning program called Jump Fundamentals available off of whentojump.com. Go check it out. We have a limited time price offer as we kick it out. It is for anyone at any stage of the jump journey, and it is self-guided, self-paced, do at your own time. Takes all of the different practices that we uh, bring to date and really uh, flesh out in the book and the frameworks and the stories, a bit of inspiration and connection, and uh, and it puts it into a really nice, crisp program that you can follow and, and really is for anyone at the very beginning of your jump, all the way through it, onto your next. So check that out. It's called Jump Fundamentals. It's our first official online learning program from when to jump. Uh, we did some pilots in the spring. They went Uh, incredibly well and and they really led us to this place so i'd love to hear what your thoughts are if you try it that's when to jump.com and you'll see the links there 
Thanks so much for listening. My name is Mike Lewis. This is the wrap of episode 52. And yes, you guessed it. I'll see you next week for episode 53. In a fast-paced world, every day brings new challenges and new opportunities. At Strayer University, we know a thing or two about getting and staying ahead of change. For over 130 years, we've been providing students like you with innovative tools and customized support. So you can find your way forward and always keep striving. Visit strayer.edu to learn more. Strayer University is certified to operate in Virginia by CHEV and has many campuses, including at 2121 15th Street North in Arlington, Virginia.